Would you pay $21 million for a pair? That's right, I said a pair. How about $2 million for a pair of melons? Are you tired of hitting the same links? Did you know that $800 for an iPad is cheap? What do you mean there's no more Aston Martin Vantage? That and a lot more on Affairs of Affluence episode number two for May 29th, 2013. This episode is brought to you by our sponsor, HelpMeMoveOn.com. There's a new real estate agent matching making service and it's called HelpMeMoveOn.com. They will help you with your move by helping you find the right real estate agent to represent you in the sale or purchase of your home anywhere in the U.S. and even in most countries. Hello and welcome to Affairs of Affluence. I'm your host, Carlos Cruz, and we are here to connect you with the finer things in life. This show focuses on the new era of luxury for the sophisticated affluent connoisseur. We'll talk about the world's premium and luxury products and upscale providers of top luxury services, including the California and global real estate market. Aston Martin recently announced they are replacing the Vantage model with an updated version called the Vantage S. It is equipped with the new AM28 6-liter V12 engine featuring the latest Bosch engine management. The Vantage S is capable of reaching 205 miles per hour. You'll find racing technology incorporated into this vehicle. It has a CNC machine combustion chamber and hollowed cam shafts. It's also fitted with a new automated manual transmission, or AMT for short, Estimated price has not been listed. The Singapore Yacht Show has now been hailed as Asia's most important yachting and boating industry event. Exhibiting for the first time was Sunseeker Asia, one of the most popular brands worldwide. The event's registration provider Go Gorilla recorded over 8,000 visitors over the four days of the show, nearly double of last year's numbers, and estimated 11,000 people registered online. Visit the show notes to see the latest videos of the four-day Singapore Yacht Show. RM Auction sold the 1967 Toyota 2000GT for nearly $1.2 million. The yellow 1967 Toyota is the most expensive production Toyota in history and the most expensive Asian product ever. The 2000GT boasts 150 horsepower at 7,000 RPM, 5-speed manual transmission with a top speed of 135 miles per hour. In Japan, a pair of Yubari melons sold at auction for 2.5 million yen, roughly about 15,000 US dollars each. The 8.1 pound melons were auctioned at the high-end fruit sale in the Sapporo Central Wholesale Market in northern Hokkaido. These Yubari melons are equivalent to a fine wine or a scotch. Dubai's Burj Al Arab is handing out gold-plated 24-karat iPads. Before you book that room, only guests who book rooms starting at $15,000 will receive the coveted prize. Upon check-in, you will receive your 24-karat gold-plated iPad, and you will be able to use your iPad for as, as a virtual concierge, and at the touch of a button, access both information and the extensive selection of hotel services. This includes guest services directory, detailed descriptions of Burj Al Arab's restaurant options and spa menu, as well as private dining, butler, and housekeeping services, among many other options. Maserati is planning to launch its own SUV vehicle called the Levante. This model is due in 2015 and is expected to be Maserati's top seller. Production has been set between 10,000 and 15,000 units annually. It will have a twin turbocharged 3-liter V6 engine with 404 horsepower. A turbo diesel version will be available for non-US locations. The Brazilian carrier TAM or TAM has upgraded their first-class cabins to include ergonomic flatbeds and the living room with a couch, closet, and dining table. The aim of this concept is to make the passenger feel that they are in an environment that feels homely with a focus on comfort entertainment, and well-being. The design firm Priest Mangood was commissioned for the design overhaul. Priest Mangood is considered the leading global travel and transportation design consultancy. If you want to get fit outdoors while surrounded by the beautiful Swiss Alps and natural landscape, then you need to head to Gstaad. The Palestyle Bootcamp offers guests a daily five-hour program that will meet a wide variety of fitness levels and personal training goals. After more than 20 years of planning, Pebble Beach Resorts officially broke ground on the new Pebble Beach Driving Range and state-of-the-art golf academy. Located across Portola Road from the current range, the new Pebble Beach Driving Range will be double-ended and nearly twice the size of the existing range. Guests will enjoy expanded hitting bays and target greens, as well as new, larger putting greens, practice bunkers, and chipping tees and greens. Directly adjacent to the range, 
the new 3,000-square-foot Pebble Beach Golf Academy will feature cutting-edge instructional technology, an expanded club fitting area, and a covered hitting bay for lessons. Crew Unlimited has announced the 6th Annual Yachting Industry Film Festival contest taking place on 16 November 2013. The event's award ceremony is designed to emulate the Academy Awards and is dedicated exclusively to the luxury yacht industry. There are between 300 and 400 attendees comprising of luxury yacht captains, crew, and industry professionals. Moreover, 10% of the ticket sales for proceeds will go directly to kids in distress. Sponsorship opportunities are available and guidelines for contestants can be found on the website for those interested and registration and video submission links can be found on our show notes. For more information on any of these topics, visit our show notes on affairsofaffluence.com. Affairs of Affluence is fortunate to have an amazing audience. We want to make sure you have the opportunity to connect with us online and join our conversations. By subscribing to our videos on YouTube, becoming part of our circle on Google+, following our tweets on Twitter, or subscribing to our newsletter, you can make sure that you hear the latest things first. You can visit us at affairsofaffluence.com and click the Find Us Online link on the top of the Luxury Connoisseur website to find us on the web. We want to make sure you have the opportunity to connect with us on Affairs of Affluence, and most importantly, with each other. Don't be left out in the dark. Sign up to follow us on Twitter and our newsletter today. That's affairsofaffluence.com. The International Home Market National Report this week looked at over 23,000 luxury homes on the market. The luxury composite price this week is $1.267 million, and these homes have been on the market for an average of 161 days. The current median price per square foot in the luxury home area is $330. The national market is currently in the buyer's market zone, though not strongly so. And of course, if you're in Silicon Valley, it's a whole different market itself. The historic Copper Beach estate has been placed on the market. It was built in 1896. It was owned by an American steel tycoon, which was purchased in 1904. Located in Greenwich, Connecticut, it boasts 13,500 square feet with 12 bedrooms, 7 full bathrooms just to start. The estate is surrounded by 50 acres of lush greenery and natural surroundings. According to records, this property has not been publicly listed for sale. This is the first time being publicly listed and has been placed on the market for $190 million, making it the most expensive home on the market to date. According to the Economic Times, Lakshmi Mittal has placed his palace green property in Kensington up for sale. The 12-bedroom, 14,700-square-foot estate has a whole wing referred to as the Mrs. Dressing Room. The estate went on the market earlier this month for £110 million. Ocean Homes' August-September issue will reveal their picks for the top 10 oceanfront homes for sale in the U.S. These homes are the finest properties currently on the market from South Florida to Central Coastal California. They've already picked their top 10, but if you think your property can beat any of their top 10, send them a photo of your home. Only catch? It must be for sale. Who knows? It may make the list. If you think you can top Ocean Homes' top 10, submit a link to the listing of your oceanfront gem to top10 at oceanhomemag.com. Remember, this is an editorial feature. If they see something that tops their top 10, their editors will be in touch. We'd like to thank our sponsor, HelpMeMoveOn.com. There's a new real estate agent matchmaking service and it's called HelpMeMoveOn.com. They will help you with your move by helping you find the right real estate agent to represent you in the sale or purchase of your home. And if necessary, assist you with your relocation. Moving is a highly stressful time for everyone involved and making sure you have a smooth transition from one location to another is what HelpMeMoveOn.com does best. That usually starts by finding the right real estate agent. Why sell or buy yourself when you don't have to? Whether you're moving across the street, across town, to a completely different state or country, HelpMeMoveOn.com can help you with your real estate needs. HelpMeMoveOn.com is proud to be associated with the Global Relocation Network. This network is comprised of nearly 700 independent residential real estate firms in excess of 145,000 sales associates in 35 countries. This allows HelpMeMoveOn.com to offer you relocation services both nationally and internationally and is the most effective way to ensure you receive superior customer service. We have the ability to support a client's real estate needs nearly anywhere in the world. We'll have global reach with high-quality professional resources. HelpMeMoveOn.com makes home buying less stressful and selling your home is now easier by going to HelpMeMoveOn.com and filling out the form. You will receive a call from a live person 
not a recording or just an email stating we received your email and to wait someone will call you to evaluate what your needs are do you have children with special needs are you moving to a super remote location do you have very expensive items that have to be handled with care or maybe you have parents or grandparents moving with you and they do not speak english very well and require an agent that speaks your native language it doesn't matter if you're looking to buy or sell a home that is eighty thousand dollars or five million dollars help me move on.com can make sure your agent matches your needs and requirements help me move on.com will stay with you from beginning to end and even follow up with you after your relocation is completed help me move on.com is all about ensuring you have a pleasant moving experience there is no need for you to deal with all the headaches and hassles of a move visit helpmemoveon.com and fill out the form there's no cost no obligation to help you find your agent let them know you heard us on affairs of affluence go now to helpmemoveon.com our next guest is a native of france and has lived in asia for the last 13 years Spending eight of those years in Hong Kong, envisioning the great potential of Chinese luxury brands, our guests established a Chinese timekeeper, exclusive timepieces of Chinese heritage boasting the Chinese legacy and history, a tribute to Chinese culture, design, and originality. Adrian, thank you for being on the show. My pleasure, Carlos. Didn't you just recently do a trip to Europe? I believe you attended the Basel World watching jewelry show. Can you tell us a little about what you experienced? This was indeed a very interesting week. This was the second time in the world that we joined Basel World, uh, you know, the home of Switzerland of watchmaking, and we were probably the only. But there are two Chinese brands that joined the fair, so you know, you you, you go to Switzerland and you promote n not Swiss watchmaking as everybody else has been doing for forever, but we say no, no, Anthony. In China, we know how, a knowledge. There is an history. There is a legitimacy in building a Chinese brand. And I thought it was very important for, for new Chinese brands to come to Basel, show the collection, show the story, and, and get a bit of feedback from, from, from the media, from the dealers, from, from the people of the industry. Um, so that's the second time we joined the fair, and it was you know, quite overwhelming. People like the collection, they find the history very intriguing. Um, we, we do have a, a bit of challenge when it comes to uh, you know, the, the perception of the quality. A lot of people say, yes, but... Can it be really good if it's made in China? And then you say, okay, take, take the watch in your hand, feel the product. What do, you, what do your hands tell you? What, what do your eyes tell you? Do you like what you see? And, and it comes around very positive and very exciting to be in Basel World. So definitely we'll come back next year and, uh, and we'll keep on joining uh, like international uh, fairs and exhibitions like this where we can promote our brand and our, uh, the, the vision of, of, of what should be Chinese luxury brands. Adrian, uh, you started your career in Hong Kong as a marketing manager for a leading brand in the field of luxury watches. Was this by design or was it by chance? Did you purposely seek to go into the watch industry or did you land this position by chance and grew to love the industry? It was a little bit by chance, I must admit. I was already in, in, in the luxury industry before I was working for L'Oreal, the French cosmetics uh, company. So I had, a, I had a bit of understanding of, of Asia and the market and, and luxury. And then um, I've applied for Richemont Group. And, but I was not really a fan of, of luxury watches back then. Uh, I did not really own much, you know, a, a great timepiece of myself. And it was really a fantastic experience. And I worked for one of these young upcoming brands that, that was super successful. I was, I was the head of marketing for Panerai in Asia. And, 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 and Panerai has been such a fantastic brand to work with. Everything we've done with the brand was successful. The new, the new editions we launched just you know sold out. The new boutiques we've opened in Asia was always good result. Uh, the, the feedbacks on the internet by the, the, the customers were, were incredible. So it was really a, a fantastic experience. And yes, honestly, that's how I, you know, I got in love with the industry, with watchmaking. And that's you know, where the idea of, of creating my own brand you know, came around and I said, okay, I, I need to do it. I need to, to branch out on my own and, and see where it leads me. So what inspired you to start the Chinese Timekeeper? Well, I've, I lived in Asia for 13 years. I, I understand a little bit the, the Chinese culture. I, I speak the language. Uh, and I say when I say a little bit for Chinese culture, it's, it's so vague. It's so big. It's, it's 5,000 years. So I've been 13 years and every day I, I know a little bit bit more. So I just want to be very humble and say just a little bit uh, of what I know today. But 
in my mind, I was like, okay, who are the customers of luxury watches today? I mean, 60% of the luxury watches are purchased by Asian, whether in America, in Europe, or in, in Asia itself. And where are the Chinese, the, the watches made? Even when you talk about the big Swiss brands, a lot of their components, a lot of the elements, the spare parts, already come from China. It's an open secret. And so it means that the quality of Chinese made product can be quite good. You just have to pay attention to the details, to the finishing. You have to talk constantly with your watchmaker, but you know, you're about quality control to reach a certain level of expectation. But after that, you know, the quality of Chinese made product is actually good. What I needed to find out was a story, a legitimacy. I needed to make sure the watch will have a philosophy and a value of their own. So that's where I hit the, you know, the, the library and the public libraries in Hong Kong and started to research and, and found all this book, all this documentation about the fact that the first clock towers in the world were Chinese, the first water driven escapement mechanism, which is a tick-tack, tick-tack you hear in every watch, is a Chinese invention and was first used in these Chinese clock towers. Um, that's where I first used that a day in China never was 24 hours, but a day in China was 100 times 15 minutes. That, that's about a thousand years ago. So 100 times 15 minutes or 12 times 2 hours. And each of these double hours were not named 1, 2, 3, 4, but they were named the hour of the ox, of the rat, of the tigers, etc. And I said, wow, this is fantastic. We have so many great stories to be shared. Um, so, okay, so we have a story, we have a manufacturer know-how, we have a clientele base that I'm convinced, I mean, we're talking about 1.4 billion people that are Chinese, and if you come around with a product that is quality in design, in history, I am sure you will appeal to at least part of these 1.5 billion people, which you know makes a good market at the end. With that in mind, I said, okay, let's let's give it a go. Let's let's see where I can go with, with, with that and and launch the first proudly Chinese watch company. A little earlier, you were talking about uh, the stories behind things. You have a very interesting logo uh, that really sets you apart from all the other watch uh, manufacturers and designers. What, how did your logo come apart? What's the story behind that? The logo and the brand name, uh, the Chinese timekeeper. Um, I mean, when you look at the watch industry today, 90% of the brands are of a name. They're, they're the name of the creator. And I thought they'll be not so marketing oriented. It'll be a bit boring. I, I, I want my name and my logo to represent who, who I am clearly. And so it was important to see if we want to be a Chinese brand, let's put it on the title so it's clear. It's honest. That's that's you know we're different from the scratch. And and for the logo, it, the idea was we need to to give legitimacy to the brand. And the, the logo represents is a tribute to Su Song. Su Song is a very famous Chinese scholar that was the the, the father of timekeeping in China. If you want, he, he was the the engineer that built the first clock tower in in Kaifeng City about a thousand years ago. He lived under the Song Dynasty when Kaifeng was the capital city of China, but also Kaifeng was the biggest city in the whole world uh, back in the day. So it was really the cradle of technology, uh, of artistry, of engineering. And so his creation was, I think, really changed China in timekeeping. And I thought it was really important to to bring this legitimacy back to the brand and for so to have, to, to have your logo um, representing this Chinese scholar walking on a, on a watch gear, on a movement gear. So somewhat keeping the time perpetually. So that's how it came about. We we spent a bit of time with local designers finding and fine-tuning the logo. And, and yeah, uh, we, we do receive a lot of praises and a lot of compliments on the logo. Uh, people like it. The, the, it really helps establishing an, a luxury image of China uh, because there, there are a few things that China will always be associated with quality. And for example, this kind of great Chinese scholar elders they, they bring respect to the people's mind so i wanted a, when you look at this logo you you associate china in a positive way i think it helps turning things around in your mind and say ah, yeah it's true china's you know they, 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 they do things of quality so the, the logo has been working great for us you seem to be knowledgeable about a lot of the history and the timepiece itself based on what you just uh, talked about can you share something about what you learned that helped inspire you to design these limited pieces 
I mean, I, I think one of the key elements when I've done all my research um, was, was to find about legitimacy. You know, all the brands they claim to be the first Tourbillon and the first this and the first that and to have an history that goes back to 300 years or the brands themselves are two or 300 years old. And I was like, I know I wanted to create a, a brand, a fresh brand. I, I don't want to claim any 100 years history, 50 years history. I want to say, no, no, this is a new brand. This is only two years old uh two and a half years old now actually but i needed to find this legitimacy to tell the, the, the right story and, and and the one that really intrigued me the most was the fact that an, a chinese monk called yixing was the first to invent the principle of of the the escapement mechanism and an escapement is in every single watch it, it's the, the most famous part of a watch actually and it's Everybody knows that it's a Swiss invention. And when I f found out that it's very well documented, it's, it's not like an, a dodgy information that I'm going to provide to you. It's you, you go online and you type, you know, water-driven escapement mechanism, and, and you'll find hundreds of articles and, and documentations talking about Yixing and, and the fact that he invented the principle of the escapement. And I was like, oh, this is fascinating. The, 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 the principle of, 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 time, of modern timekeeping is actually a, a very ancient Chinese uh, tradition. And then all, all this, the time was displayed through a pagoda tower of four or five levels uh, with gong and, and, and statuettes and figurines representing every 15 minutes of the time. And, and actually all of China timekeeping in, on, on, on top of this clock towers were an armillary sphere. An armillary sphere is a, is, a, is a strings of various spheres linked together with the earth as a central point. And so from the earth, the spheres give you the position of the stars and the constellation. And, and they were automatically moving by the water, driving by the water flow to give the correct position of the stars. Because a thousand years ago, the Chinese emperor who've commissioned these this clock towers to be made, did not really care if it was 3 o'clock or 3.15 or 3.30 for that matter. What you really wanted from the clock tower was the exact position of the stars. With the exact position of the stars, you could rule his kingdom, you know, celebrate the full moon and a wedding and decide when to go on war and on peace and, of course, understanding a better vision of the agriculture and the, and the monsoon and everything. And it's like, these are so many good stories, fantastic heritage that we I wanted to share and to modernize into, you know, modern timepiece, contemporary design. So, yeah, that these are the few elements that are seen in, in the brand today. Of all the watches being made, of all the shapes and sizes and types, why did you decide to create a new watch brand? What was your vision? What did you want to bring to the marketplace, believing it would be accepted and embraced as a luxury watch collection? I mean, you're right. When you go to Basel World, for example, I think today there are something like 800 watch brands that exist. I mean, it, it, it's it's a lot. And the funny thing is all the watch in the world are either round or square, you know, you know round or square or, or rectangular or something like this. So they all, with all the marketing behind it, they all look the same. Um, so why bring another one? I think... A timepiece, it's, it's, it's a jewelry for male, and it's not only just a piece of accessory, it's something that represents who you are and that share a message and a value. Um, it's very easy to start collecting timepieces because every timepiece tells you a bit of a different dream. And that's, that's more that dream, that philosophy that wanted to, to create. Uh, by principle, 100% or 90% or 99% of the watches today are Swiss made and I thought okay if we bring a new watches around to this world we don't want just to have a new kind of movements or a new kind of material because this will fade in this will disappear in time and this will be cool for a year two years maybe after the launch and then boom your brand doesn't exist anymore because you doesn't you don't have a story to share but I realized that not a single brand across the luxury field for that matter has ever promoted China as as their strengths as the reason why you should buy the product. But China has 5,000 years of history, have, you know, uh, a culture um, that are so strong and so fascinating that I said, let's, let's, let's bring up a few elements of the Chinese culture. Let's make a very unique design as much as it can be in terms of, of you know, because it, it, keep, it stays a, a round watch of 44mm, but let's bring a lot of story, lots of passion into the brand 
and, and see where it leads us. And with these few elements in mind, when the watch came around, in, in customers that were a little bit avant-garde and a little bit more daring and wanted to collect something unique, came to me and said, this is fantastic. I've always wanted a good Chinese watch. And this is the first I've ever found. This is not trying to be something cheap. This is trying to have a, a real story, a real value. And, and that's why my customers are purchasing because they were looking for something unique with a different story. And they found it, um, they found it very perfectly in, in the Chinese timekeeper. Okay, Adrian. So you talked about basically why you created the watch, how you inspired to do it. So you opened up your boutique in Hong Kong. Is there any specific reason why you chose that area instead of being in mainland China? Um, the the company and I am based in Hong Kong myself. Um, Hong Kong is the number one. When you look at the, the rankings from the Swiss um, Federation of, of Watchmaking, the export, the number one country in the world is Hong Kong in front of the all of America, the United States of America. So Hong Kong is first and the US are second. Tells you that Hong Kong is such a strong marketplace for timekeeping. Uh, there are so many individual brand boutiques, multi-brand stores that are opening everywhere that I thought it would be a good, you know, a good place to start, you know, as a, as a, uh, as a Chinese Hong Kong brand to be based at. And instead of thinking what the main streets of Hong Kong, we decided to, to go a bit off the beaten track where um, on a very cult cultural streets of Hong Kong where we have a very old temple, a very old house. So we're not on the luxury hotspot, if you want, but when customers find us, they're quite impressed because, oh yeah, this is good, this is, this is Chinese. And they understand that they're not surprised to see a Chinese luxury brand in that street because the street has a lot of Chinese culture. And when they enter my boutique, it is a small boutique, but it's, it, it gives a high sense of Chinese craftsmanship of Chinese culture and so it's a lot very reassuring for the customers to to spend between you know, 2000 3000 US dollar on the watch because they do feel good and they take the time to learn about our stories why the design is like this and, and, and what's so special about our watches and, and it's it becomes a great yeah a great process and, and to to, to you know acquire more customers so where do you assemble and manufacture your watches since you have boutiques around China itself? Um, so everything is, all the spare parts, all the elements, the strap, the bezel, the dial, uh, and the movements, the mechanical movement themselves are coming from China, various workshop. But then everything is sent to Hong Kong where we have our uh, watchmakers that are assembling by hand every timepiece. And the quality control is also made out of Hong Kong. Um, I think like this, we have the both of, of, you know, of two words. Definitely the workshop in China can produce fantastic quality in terms of the element. And you can also have a personal supervision for the finishing, for the assembly, for the quality control in Hong Kong, where Hong Kong is known for, for, for its quality of, of, of its execution, if its work. So like this, I'm, I'm really sure the timepiece come around to be of great value, of great quality. Um, I can inspect them uh, individually all the time piece before they leave. Well, we're probably crafted in China with an assembly in Hong Kong. So how many parts does your average watch have? What are some of the materials you use to make them? Can you share, can you share with us some of the characteristics that goes into the design of your watches? Because we're a Chinese brand, we work with local uh, Chinese movements, mechanical movements. And it was very important for me to remain on uh, a very accurate and reliable movements because this is the heartbeat of the watch. So, so this part of all the parts need to have a great quality. And that's why my watches will always provide uh, very simple functions. We do have a three ends and then a small second and a small date uh, functionalities. With this movement, with these simple complications, I call them, I know that I have a great quality of movements. Now, if you talk about Chinese tourbillon, perpetual calendar, moon phase, or, or, or more complicated movements, the, the quality, the final quality, it's still a little bit questionable. It's still a work in progress by, by the local workshop. So I'm going to try to stay away from that at this moment and, and really focus on 
on creating beautiful timepieces with, with simple complications. So the accuracy is, is perfect and doesn't have, you know, any issues. And I can come to a customer, look him straight in the eyes, assert this is a great timepiece from execution to design. Everything of a great timepiece is in there. Then we have some very unique uh, design features. The case, for example, is made of four layers. The four layers reflect the, the architecture of a Chinese pagoda tower, which, which has four to seven layers on top of each other, which is a very distinctive look. And I wanted a distinctive feel for, for the timepiece. So the four layers are, are really nice and we can have, they're always in stainless steel, but they can have PVD coating, black or blue. They could, there could be polished or brushed. So they, 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 we can really play with these four layers and, and give a lot of touch and a presence to the watch. The buckle also is, is a very beautiful uh, folding buckle with a spheric shape that takes its inspiration from the armillary spheres that were on top of the earlier clock towers we mentioned. Um, and so the buckle is also very distinctive and very beautiful. From that, I wanted a very uh, pure and elegant timepiece with, a, of course, a very contemporary feeling, but I wanted the, 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 the watch to be very simple. And so the, the brand name is engraved on the inner ring. So keep the dial very pure. And then there are some elements of the dial which, which when you look at the watch from a, a bit of a distance, you have no idea of knowing it's a Chinese watch because it's just a modern, cool, good-looking watch. When you look up close, then you see, for example, the number 10 is always a Chinese character because there is a sentence in Chinese that says, Shi Chuan, Shi Mei, 10 is perfect, 10 is complete. It's one of the good numbers. And we also launched a brand in you know, 10 of October 2010. So 10 is a bit of our lucky number. So the number 10 is always a Chinese character. Uh, the logo is at 12 o'clock. It is Su Song, this Chinese man walking on the movement gear. Some of the watch have ends, which are very unique, that were created for our brand, that have a bit of a Chinese feeling, a bit of a Chinese pattern uh, to them. This, the Chinese timekeeper timepieces with the small second, uh, the small seconds have Chinese characters on them. So there is a lot of Chinese elements of the design which, which really set the, the watch apart from, from everything else today. And our customers are really, really happy to, to go for these, these, these distinctive little details. So how many timepiece collections have you made and which one have you seen to be your most popular? Uh, we've launched a first collection uh, with six references, and we, you know, they're almost all sold out. So this this was very an exciting. Uh, obviously, we did not sell out in in a month. You know, it, it did take. We, we're two and a half years old now, but we we did sell the first collection out, and then we relaunched a second collection. Um, so the the whole range now is like. 15, 16, 16 pieces, 16 references. And, and in our second collection, we, we really dig further into Chinese culture and really put very distinctive um, look and feel to our timepieces. We're the first watchmaker to use uh, jade in our collection. Jade is a very special stone in, in, in China. It carries a lot of meaning. A lot of people love to wear jade. It's, it's very precious stone. So all the other watchmakers We'll use diamonds and we say, okay, let's leave diamonds for, for the Swiss watchmaker. Let's become um, quite specialized and, and quite trendy with, with jade. And so we, we have green jade, two pieces with green jade. And we just launched in Basel the months ago, a white jade uh, timepiece. And in, this is exactly what I want to be. Jade is a symbol of China, and I want to use this symbol of China to promote the Chinese timekeeper. And so this is becoming one of our popular timepieces because nobody else you know provides it. It's very elegant. The white jade pictures, which you may have seen on the website, for example, are absolutely stunning. And in, in, in Basel, we had a very, very positive feedback on these timepieces. So this was very exciting. Another uh, features of the design, it's our collection with the Chinese double hour. Uh, so it's a 24 hour dial. And we, instead of the numerals that we usually have, we have 12 Chinese zodiac signs, and that's so the watch reads from the hour of the rat and the ox and the tiger and etc. So it's a twenty each hour, each Chinese hour representing two hours of of our twenty four hour dial. It, it becomes it becomes a very unique timepiece, and and customer when they see the watch, they, ah okay, I never seen that before. This is a fantastic piece to collect, to add to my collection. I want that on my wrist. I want to go to a dinner tonight and show off with that watches because for that price point, you can really go to a dinner and, and you have a conversational timepiece. You have a timepiece that people will talk about and, and you have a lot of stories to share about that, that particular watch. 
And so I think the Jade collection and the Chinese Hour collection are two, um, you know, most thought after timepieces today. Adrian, you have a very interesting concept when it comes down to what you do. What is your concept behind purposely concentrating on limited edition and special edition watches? This is something that normally designers and collectors don't do. They just do a, a brand that they mass market and then every now and then they'll do a special collection. But you're mostly focusing on that special collection. All, all our timepiece come in limited numbers. But there are a few reasons, but I think part of, of the luxury experience and to say, oh, this watch is number, you know, number six out of, of 28 and this watch is number 35 out of 15. And, and, and that gives really a sense of exclusivity to the customer. So I think that was very important. But also, let's keep it real. We're a new brand and we're a new Chinese brand. And I thought we can't go around and launch millions of watches to start with. We, we need to make sure the quality in each and every one of the timepieces reach the level that we set for. And so for that, we said, okay, let's do small quantities, but let's, you know, and assemble of them, take time to quality control carefully and strictly each of the pieces. And, and, and so there, there is a little bit of that too. We, we, we want to grow in numbers of watches, but we want to grow progressively so that we can control the quality and ensure the quality of each timepiece. And then we, I mean, we're not the only brand to work in this way. They, they, a brand like Panerai, just to, to, to go back to my ancient roots only products you know pieces with an individual number and almost all of the watches are, are like this and i thought it's 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 what the customers are really really proud the first thing they tell you is the number of the watch oh, my watch is number you know 200 on 500 pieces and, and and i think it was a good addition to to bring to our time pieces well i like what you did on your website uh, the chinese timekeeper.com I'm looking at it now, and I'm looking at the Chinese Timekeeper number 13 collection. And what I think is superb in your marketing of the watch is that you have a notification clearly stating how many are produced and how many are available. I think this clearly gives a watch connoisseur or collector the ability to decide if this type of watch for him or is for him. Do you also make a ladies' version of your watches? For us, it was important to also let the customer decide which number he might want. And, and, and when the customer comes at the boutique, we really try to make an effort to, to provide him the, the, the timepiece he's looking for. Maybe he's matching his birthday, his wife's birthday or some elements like this. And so, and so we try to, to pay attention to, to these details. The website also offers an online boutique. So if you want to have a look at the website, it's chinesetimekeeper.com and check it out because all the, the timepiece came quite clearly about on the website and, and you can feel free to, to send an email or contact through the website. Uh, we do have in in planning the development of a lady collection which will be very similar in, in its aesthetics to the, to, the, to the male collection but that's still only planning stages. I mean we, we did design a few things that which, which are very beautiful but, and we're working on the first prototype. So if everything goes right we should, we should have a lady collection that will increase our visibility and, and, and definitely our audience. So you know, that's, that's one of the big projects we're working on. Do you have any collectors come to you and ask you for a personalized custom-made watch? And if not, would you accept a request like that? What would be the process? I mean, we have not really done it before. We, we've started to work on a few projects with one or two um, private collectors, but it, it, it's not such a simple process. And and the, the person we're working with have to understand that we can't just you know put you change the, the logo or, or, or change the dial. He, he can he has to be very subtle. It, it could be an engraving somewhere. It, it could be on a for, for a certain partner, a point of sales that like like oh like eighteen pieces with engraved with the name of my my point of sales for example and and, and these kind of ideas are possible, um, but they have they take time to develop because we want to make sure we we only produce something that's that's beautiful and that carries our image as well as the partner's image. So we're not against the idea, but it will it will be an idea that will take a lot of discussion and and we need to agree on. On making personalification of the timepiece, yes, but that is very subtle and remains very elegant. How do you go about designing a new collection? Can you go over what your process is for creating a new design? I'm, I'm the inspiration for a new design usually comes from me, but I'm working very closely with a team of, of local um, Hong Kong Chinese uh, designers and. and 
for example, for my next year, we're going to launch Year of the Horse um, timepiece. This will probably be a limited edition of 18 pieces to complement our, our, our existing series. So that's how, that's how far I go about design. And, and then I'm working with the team and I say, okay, we need to find the appropriate design, the appropriate horse, and what kind of horses are of Chinese descent and and, 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 and you know, discuss about the culture and make it in a contemporary timepiece. A lot of the time you, you see these Swiss watches which are making a year of the snake, year of the, the dragon timepieces, but they have a, a European dragon on the dial just because their designers do are European and, and, and not Chinese. And it's, it's very impressive. As I mentioned earlier on the show, the, the, the Chinese culture is so important that to understand all of it, it's, it's really impossible when you're a foreigner. So it's very important to, to, for me to have local designers to say, hey, Adrian, you know, the Chinese culture says so, and, and, and this is it. And I'm really happy to have to, to be working with this, this bunch of guys and that, that are really talented. Uh, in, in terms of designing the, the overall collections, you know, sometimes you, you need to fill the market. You need to talk to your customers. You need to see the trends, what will be really cool and unique. And because we also... It's a big word, but we're inventing a, a new market with proudly Chinese timepiece. We, we also have a bit of freedom and or the responsibility to choose new paths. You know, we never, never, no one has done jade before, so we had to say, okay, is it going to be cool? Is it going to look good? Customer will like it or not? I mean, this was a bit of a gamble. The same for the twenty-four hours. It's never really been done before in that way. So, um, so we we need to take this you know leap of faith and, and a bit you know face the challenges up front and, and go for it. So. I, I try to find a direction w which will be really unique for the brand and, and, you know, talk it through with the team and see where we can come around. And obviously, we need to keep it clean and simple. And, and if we do a jade watches, the idea is not to have the whole watch in jade, but just bits and pieces so that it remains very elegant and, and very attractive for the customers. So, yeah, that's about the process, I guess. So how long do you think it'll be before you make a Tobillion collection? Are you planning on making one? No. To be honest, at this point of time, um, we, I mean, there are plenty of, of very powerful brands. And I will take the number one in the world, Rolex, for that matter, that doesn't have a tourbillon. I don't think we'll ever have a tourbillon. And I don't think you need to have a tourbillon to be a good brand. Uh, so, I'd, I mean, I'm not saying I'll never, never have one in, my, in the history of the brand, but just in the next few years, we will focus on simple complications with a great accuracy and reliability of the mechanical movement we're using. And, and we will try to be unique with the story we share and with the design of our watches, uh, our, our limited edition, rather than saying, oh, we have a tourbillon and it is a Chinese tourbillon and, and the price is, is much cheaper than a Swiss tourbillon and so you should buy our tourbillon. I don't really like this, this angle of things. I, I don't want to cut prices and, and, and or do provide a timepiece to the customer that I know it's not 100% perfect because today the state of Chinese tourbillon are good and are getting better and better, but still are not on par with Swiss tourbillon. So I think it's, I'd like to, to take a, a pass on this one at the moment. Let's uh, step back a little bit. Before you talked about the Chinese Zodiac, can you talk about how you like to incorporate the Chinese Zodiac into your timepiece collections? The, the, the idea was to share a bit of Chinese culture. Uh, a thousand years ago, at the time of the clock tower, as I said before, a day was not 24 hours, but it was 12 times two hours. And, and China did not really have, um, did not call these hours, you know, one, two, three. There, there, there is no numerical order. The, Chi the legend goes that the Chinese emperor uh, called all the animals of his kingdom to meet him. And so the animals started to race towards the Chinese emperor, but he was on an island, so they had to cross a bit of a river, if you want. And so the, the cat and the rat were best buddies at the time, and they, but they were not good swimmers, so they, they found the ox, which is this solid walking and, and, and swim, swim, swimming um, swimmer animal. And so they talked to the ox, which is a bit naive, say, hey, can we hop on your back and can you not give us a ride? And also the, the ox is nice, say, okay, come on up. And so the, the cat and the rat were on top of the ox, and the ox was leading in the race. But we all know the rat is a bit sneaky, so when they get to the shore, the rat, you know, pushed the, the cat in the water and then jumps on shore the first. So the rat becomes the first animal of the Chinese zodiac. 
the ox becomes the second animal of the Chinese zodiac. And then you have plenty of stories on why the dragon only arrived in, in, in fifth or, or sixth position, and etc. and etc. Et and the last animal to arrive was the cat. The cat arrived in position number 13. And that's why today the, the cat is not one of the, the signs of the zodiac, but also the reason why cats are always chasing after rats, because they have a revenge now from you know being let down and then pushed in the water. And so well, this is one of the legends we love to share with our customers, and, and most of the time people do not know this. And they say, oh, this is actually kind of cool. I really have something to share about my watches, and I understand why the rat is the first hour and the ox is the second hour. Um, so this, this is quite interesting. With that in mind, we, we took a lot of time with the designers to, because the watch becomes becomes quite complicated. You have 12 Chinese characters on the dial. We, we The dial is it's designed in a way that it has 12 facets so that each character is in own little you know, f uh, f facets. And it's, um, it's a beautiful dial. Uh, and we took a lot of time with from the designer and with the workshop to, to create it so that the timekeeping, the, the reading of the time remains simple, elegant, unique. Um, we're very happy, we're very pleased with these two pieces, which are CTK 15 and CTK um, 16. One has a blue dial with a stainless steel case, the other one is a white dial with a black PVD case. Um, both of them are very unique, very stunning timepieces. You have a lot of beautiful timepieces. I'm looking at your website again, and let's talk about your Jade collection. I'm looking at the CTK01. I love the way it was designed. It has a certain elegance to it where it's not flashy, but it's authoritative, and yet it provides a bold statement. How did you come about designing the Jade collection? Uh, the, the Jade was, um, I mean, I was lucky enough, I was working with a designer that, that had a lot of understanding about Jade uh, because it's, it's a stone, a diamond, for example, you have the four C's and you have experts and every diamond in the world has a grade and it's very easy to understand if it's a good or bad diamond. Jade, I mean, you can you can go to a store and see a little piece of jade and costs millions of US dollars. And you, you, I mean, it's, it can blow your mind. And the same size or a, a jade a thousand times bigger could cost you know fifty bucks. So there is a. It, it's important to work with people that have an understanding of what's a good jade and a fantastically good jade and a bit of an average jade, so that we can really work with great quality of, of jade. But also, in, it's it's all the principle of keep it it elegant and simple. Again, if you, full, if you put a full dial in, in green jade, I think the watch becomes a bit overwhelming. It's a bit too much. The, the, the design will not flow elegantly. So we really want this uh, to work with the markers only. So we, we will put a plain dial, keep our number 10, keep our logo, both our you know, distinctive Chinese signs, and then put 10 beads of jade on the marker so that it's, it's very strong yet it's very elegant. People who love jet can wear it. People that are not a passion for jet but really find the design attractive can also wear it because it, it, it's just a beautiful timepiece. We have three of them now, which are actually CTK 18, uh, 13 and 14 are three jade pieces. One is in full stainless steel with a, a darker shades of green. The other one is a black PVD with a lighter shade of green, so the contrast in both watches are, you know, a bit a bit stronger for the vis visibility. And then the last one that we just launched is white jade on a black PVD with a white snake skin strap because we just launched it during the year of the snake. Um, and and all the three watches are really stunning, appealing to to a lot of different kind of customers, whether they're Chinese or European for that matter, or even American. We had a few American customers for that time piece. So it's, it's really exciting to see the feedback from the customers. And, and I think we're, we're on to something nice here. Adrian, how can I get hold of a, of a watch? Do you have boutiques located outside of China? I'm working with an agent uh, in California at the moment. And we've just opened our first point of sale. It's 33 jewels in, in Santa Barbara. Um, and as soon as we open, we, we have really fantastic interest by, by, by the customers just coming in and saying, oh, what is this? And can I try it out? Can I check it out? The price, yeah, it's not that expensive. It's not crazy. It's cool, the quality. And, and it was very ex exciting. So we're in Santa Barbara. We're looking into a few other uh, stores, maybe downtown LA, maybe uh, San Francisco. 
but and obviously then we have the boutique in Hong Kong. We have an online boutique. I'm always available on, you know, to answer any emails that comes across through the site because I think it's a lot of reassuring process. The customer uh, may have a question about the wash, may want a special strap, may want, you know, maybe require a special number and want to make sure the brand is real. So it's important for them to to, to have a few emails for send back with, with someone at, at the headquarters and and keep in discussing with them. So... And hopefully we will grow up with more presence in the U.S. Let's see. So these locations that you talked about, Santa Barbara, L.A., San Francisco, are these boutiques themselves or are they retailers? No, they, they, I mean, Santa Barbara is a jewelry store that carries our brand. And, and, and we are in talks with a few other jewelry, small watch stores uh, in, in San Francisco, and uh, L.A. at the moment. So there are not, if you're on my own boutiques, just yet but maybe one day maybe one day i i can see that happening also can we find where the locations are on your website the chinese timekeeper.com yes, yes 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 everything is there you can just uh, there is a retail or boutique link that you can access all the this kind of information so adrian before i let you go let's talk about the chinese timekeeper the business itself what would you consider some of your greatest accomplishments since you started I mean, it's it's it was a bit of a dream. It was a bit of a naive dream to say, hey, you know, I'm alone. I'm on my own, and I can, you know, and I can take on Rolex and you know, Demar Piguet and Panerai in, in, as a competitor. And obviously, I'm not there yet. I cannot, you know, there definitely. I, maybe they don't know even that I exist. But for a small Chinese brand, we've added coverage all over the world. We have really helped to raise the bar and the, and the understanding of what could be Chinese quality. And, and this is very exciting. And we, we, we were differing. When we started the business, we were like, there will be several Chinese brands in the future. And the mainland Chinese customer will adopt them and, and will buy them and will pursue them. And so there will be, uh, this will be a game changer, if you want. And we had that vision that nobody shared. Nobody in the industry shared. But I was really convinced that's going to happen. And then four or five years down the road from my first idea to today, there are several Chinese luxury brands that are existing. Some of them are already linked to some of the major brands like Shanghai Tang, Billingston Richmond, PPR Group just purchased Kilin, which is a Hong Kong, Chinese, French, China, uh, jewelry brand. Shangxia was just launched uh, two years ago, actually, or three years ago now by Hermes and all these brands, they, they have the same philosophy as mine. It's making product, jewelry, watches, clothing with the Chinese design, a Chinese character, a Chinese craftsmanship, but with an international level of quality and of execution and of, of legitimacy. And the, and the customers are more and more embracing it. And I think, I think that vision that follows through to the reality, it, it's one of our big achievements, having customers that are coming back to buy their second timepiece, the third timepiece, that are really still in love with the product and, and start collecting us is, is, is a fantastic testimonial for, for the brand so that we are real, that we're existing, that we're satisfying a few customers. Yeah, these are really, really achievements that I am proud of. You know, when a customer comes, buys the watch, is with his wife or his friends, his family members, and you know that he makes, it, it, it becomes very happy of getting the timepiece. You know you've done something right. And so these are our good achievements. So I, I think the future for us will be very strong indeed. Also, more recently, something good happened in the, the Chinese first lady, Peng Li Yuan, was, was seen wearing Chipao dresses, which are the traditional Chinese dress. And she, 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 on her first interviews, uh, she, it was during her, her first official uh, political trip to, I think, Africa and then to, to Russia. And she was saying, yeah, I love Chinese designers. I, I, I love Chinese brands i think we should you know us as chinese wear more and more chinese brands and on the local uh, weibo and, and sina weibo and, and tencent the local um social medias everybody was talking about local brands and the quality and, and this was a bit of a game changer again it just happened a couple of months ago so i think really the future of of well-made well-executed chinese luxury brand um we probably shaped the whole industry in, in five or to ten years and I want to be a big part of that. So that's where we're aiming at. So what would you consider are some of the type of challenges you, you face as a provider of luxury products, let alone a specific product like a timepiece? 
the I mean the main challenges are also our strengths today. Our strength is to be Chinese, and this this was our and this is still our main challenges because a lot of people associate China with mass market with cheap labor, so cheap products. So to so to create a watch that is not cheap, that is limited in quantities, that has a great quality. You know, it takes a little bit of time to, 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 to communicate the message across, to educate in a way each customers, to tell them your story and why you're so different and why they, 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 they could have a great appeal to your timepiece. So definitely this is, um, this is, a, this is a challenge. And, and I remember two, two and a half years ago when I really started, um, a customer came to me and, and we were talking and he compared my watch with a Piaget timepiece, which, which is obviously 10 to 100 times more expensive that has already 100 years of history, which is one of the, the great timepiece and jewelers of this in the world. And it's like, as soon as you step into uh, above a certain price point, as soon as you, you claim to be luxury, your competitors are every single luxury brand in the world. And I made me realize that I cannot compromise at all on luxury, on servicing, on, on quality control, on, on all the little details, your box, your, your guarantee cards, your website, all the elements need to be on par with the, the, the leader of luxury providers. With that in mind, I said, okay, let's do little pieces, quantities, make sure they're all fantastic, provide a, a beautiful box with it. Let's, okay, they, they, let's provide a second strap so that, you know, it's a little details, but it makes the customer happier when he gets the chance to change the color of his strap, for example. And, and, and let's try to put a fantastic package together and an offer that, you know, we'll, we'll get into the mind and the art of the customer. So this, I mean, definitely this is a big challenge when you start to be compared with, you know, Piaget or Rolex and, and and to have to fight off the Chinese a priori that people have on, on quality is our two main uh, challenges. Where do you see the Chinese timekeeper down the road, say, two to five years? Ah, my dreams are very, <laughs> my dreams, my ambition is, is very big. I mean, obviously, we want to build uh, more, open more boutiques uh, in Asia, our own boutique. And at the same time, we want to grow our distribution I mean, locally in Asia and internationally in America and Europe, so that the brand becomes really an international brand. We want to keep a very steady direction in terms of product offering so that our collection grow, but they always keep the same values, the same design elements so that the customers really understand and, and we can strengthen this, this position of, as a Chinese luxury provider of timepiece. And then hopefully we will grow as one of the influential um, timepieces of this world. And I think this is really possible. We don't necessarily just want to remain a very, very niche brand, but we want to be one of the key players of, of, of the luxury industry. Because hopefully by then we will not be seen as just, we will be seen as the Chinese watch, the Chinese timekeeper, and it will be us. And, and, and and a lot of people, whether they're from America, from Europe, or from China, will, will look into for, for our timepiece, for gifts, for special occasion, for themselves. And because we would just be established as a, as a beautiful, contemporary uh, provider of timepieces. So, Adrian, where do you see uh, the Chinese luxury market going in, pers in perspective to your industry? I mean, I think uh, a lot of the industry players uh, will be surprised at the impact and the power that Chinese brand will have in a few years. Because in some, in some way, when you dig closer, when you have a closer look at the market, there are existing a great number of Chinese brands already across different fields. It could be cosmetics, it could be apparels, it could be jewelry, it could be watches. And these brands are not small. They're mostly focused, they're 99% of their distribution are in mainland China. Their strengths into manufacturing good product and distributing extensively inside their own country. They, they do not yet have an understanding of what is marketing, of storytelling, of, of philosophy, of collections. Some of these watch providers in, in China have a watch that's maybe at you know, 20 or 50 US, but to... 100,000 US. So it doesn't really make sense to, to, to have such a big gap. But these brands have a lot of power. They're learning very fast. And once they start to fine tune their collection 
improve their storytelling so that you're not only just buying a watch, but you're buying a piece of, of the story they want to share with you. And they, it was the money and they started to communicate through brand ambassadors and through sponsoring of events. And I am sure they will become more and more important, more and more visible. And the customers of the world, not only the customer of China, will, will start to be influenced by, by these products. And, and I think the whole luxury market will, will be more and more shaped by the taste and feel of Chinese customer, but also of Chinese brands. Ladies and gentlemen, that is going to do it for this episode of Affairs of Affluence. Adrian, I'd like to thank you for being on the show. It was great having you, and we look forward to having you on again. Carlos, it was my pleasure. Thank you so much. If you want more information on Adrian Chu, go visit his website at ChineseTimekeeper.com. You can follow Adrian via Twitter at CTK underscore timepieces or visit our show notes on AffairsOfAffluence.com. Thank you for listening to Affairs of Affluence show. I'm your host, Carlos Cruz, and I hope you've had a great time with us this week. Please visit our website, AffairsOfAffluence.com, and please support us by going to iTunes to subscribe and leave a comment. It will help get the word out about the Affairs of Affluence show. You can also follow us on Twitter via Insight Affluence. Once again, thank you for joining and we'll see you again soon.